This is The Guardian. Today, after more than a week of financial mayhem, the Chancellor has abandoned a key tax promise. What will it cost the economy and the government's reputation? Conference. What a day. It has been tough, but we need to focus on the job in hand. What a day it had been. As Kwasi Kwarteng, the UK Chancellor, started his speech at the Conservative Party conference in Birmingham, he gripped the lectern tightly with both hands, and the room fell silent. A room full of Conservative Party members. MPs and the Prime Minister looked back at him, waiting to hear how he'd rescue himself from the political and economic mess that he'd set in motion. I know the plan put forward only 10 uh, days ago has caused a little turbulence. I get it. I get it. Uh, We are listening and have listened. And now I want to focus on delivering the major parts of our growth package. Ten days ago, Kwarteng announced a bold new plan that he said would boost spending and make billions for the economy. He'd cut corporation tax and stamp duty to help get people into business and buying their first homes. And there was more. For those who earn the most in this country, more than £150,000 a year, a tax cut. But I'm not going to cut the additional rate of tax today, Mr Speaker. I'm going to abolish it altogether. From April the 23rd, we will have a a single higher rate of income tax of 40%. The public, and plenty of Conservative MPs too, were outraged. Broadly 35% of the, uh, the additional money that we're borrowing is not to cut energy costs, it is for unfunded tax cuts. And you sound concerned about that. I mean, profoundly. I profoundly concerned. Yes. And just 10 days later, the Chancellor has been forced to U-turn. The top tax rate will stay. We need to move forward. No more distractions. We have a plan and we need to get on and deliver it. That's what the public, that's what the public expects. But how long has the Chancellor got left to convince his party and the public that he can guide us through one of the worst economic periods in recent history? From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, 10 days of chaos and what it's cost the country. Heather Stewart, you're The Guardian's special correspondent, and you've been following the political and economic mess that's been going on over the past 10 days, which started with Kwasi Kwarteng's so-called mini-budget, which has turned out to be rather maxi. Mr Speaker, we're at the beginning of a new era, and as we (laughs) contemplate, and as we contemplate... That's right, that's right. What was Kwarteng's rationale? And why did he announce it all just three weeks 
into his new job? So I think they think they've only got two years probably until a general election that has to be held by the end of 2024. I think they earnestly believe that these are the kinds of measures that would unleash growth, would, you know, sort of kickstart a kind of revolution, a sort of free market revolution. The idea being you sort of allow people, particularly wealthy people, to keep more of their money and you kind of unleash Enterprise, You know, you persuade more investors to come here. Lo and behold, you sort of, you know, you unleash a load of economic growth. You know, this this whole package was meant to sort of, you know, boom, show that Britain was was ready to grow. They're supported by a sort of network of right wing think tanks, um, groups like the, the um, Institute for Economic Affairs, the Adam Smith Institute, who've been promulgating these kinds of policies for a long time. And I think they just felt, you know, let's throw the kitchen sink at it. If we're going to go, if we're going to do it, let's go big. You know, it was incredibly kind of bold. And they were super proud of that. You know, Kwasi Kwarteng was was so relaxed after delivering the statement, despite the fact the initial market reaction was not great. You know, off he goes to the pub to congratulate Treasury officials on a job well done. So I think, I think they really felt, look, if we're going to go for this, let's, you know, let's get the big bazooka out. Let's do it. People have talked about trussonomics. How did this raft of tax cuts fit with her overall vision and with Kwasi Kwarteng's wider approach to the economy? So it's part of her vision. So her big sort of slogan that she's talked about for many years is freedom. That's her big political value, as it were. And part of that in her mind and in the minds of of the the sort of right-wing think tanks is people get to keep more of their money is the way that you would put it. And that means lower taxes. The suggestion is that sort of helps growth because actually, you know, people work harder when they're taxed less. They've got, you know, more to spare maybe to, to, you know, invest in projects, become entrepreneurial, all that sort of stuff. And then there's a wider bit of it, which is about these other reforms, this sort of deregulation, this sort of sort of slashing rules in order, again, to sort of free up businesses to sort of hire more and do more and export more. So they're going to tell us more, she keeps saying, about those bits of it, those what she calls the supply side reforms, the, the, the deregulation. She's going to tell us more about those in the, in the coming sort of few weeks. Well, the reaction to this announcement was a kind of disbelief. Even Tory voters were shocked at the scale of this giveaway to the very top earners. The pound had started to fall in value on Friday, the 23rd of September. Over that weekend, Kwasi Kwarteng said he'd be going even further with tax cuts. Uh, we've actually put m- more money into people's pockets. That's why we've reversed the national insurance increase, which I, I think uh, was, was not a good policy, and we've reversed that. And also, we're bringing forward uh, the cut in the basic rate, and there's more to come. We've only been here 19 days. I want to see, uh, it, over the next uh, year, people retain more of their income. Then what happened on the Monday was just next level. What were you thinking watching that? So the pound had already been weak against the dollar for for several months. The dollar's been strong this year. But you saw the pound fall to an all-time low of $1.03, which, you know, just, just extraordinary. Now, the British pound has fallen to its lowest level ever against the US dollar. In early Asia trade, sterling fell to $1.03 before regaining some ground to around $1.06 as the London markets opened. The pound you know, you're sort of looking at charts and graphs as the day goes on and, you know, they just look like a kind of a falling off a cliff, you know, a, a straight line downwards. So, you know, that started to get very scary. Uh, I mean, it's, it's more complex than this, but it's essentially a measure of market confidence in the UK economy and in, you know, the 
the, the policymakers overseeing it. And if, if you look at an event like Friday's statement and you think, I don't believe in this, I don't like it uh, as an investor, then a very easy way to sort of show your disapproval almost is, is to sell the pound. And it was definitely felt that Quateng being so sort of relaxed and insouciant about, about the, the response on Friday and, and, yeah, as you say, sort of floating the idea of more tax cuts, that, did, that definitely did not help the mood in, in the markets. And, you know, remember, this was a, a, a financial statement that was published without what you usually get. You know, if you a proper budget, you get proper charts and you get, you know, an independent forecast from the Office of Budget Responsibility and it allows investors and, you know, journalists like me to, to, to sort of, you know, go through all the numbers and see if it adds up. Well, there was none of that. You know, there were a lot of promises and really not much of a sense of, of how they were going to pay for them. So then, you know, when he starts floating the idea, oh, well, actually, well, there might be more to come, that, that really, really soured the mood. And yeah, Monday was a, a, a real sort of rocky day. Most of us never have to think about the value of the pound unless we're going on holiday and exchanging currency. You know, you're there at the travel bureau in M&S or wherever, looking at what you might be able to get for your cash. But actually, it's dropping in value affects so much in our daily lives. Can you just explain what it means for people when that happens? Yeah, I mean, the main impact really is in the prices of things that we buy. So, we, you know, the UK imports an awful lot of its energy, an awful lot of its food, an awful lot of other pro- products. And of course, you know, if the pound is not worth as much in other currencies, it, it just costs more to import those things. And so you start to see prices go up. So it, it brings more inflation into the economy. And of course, that is absolutely the last thing you need when you've already got inflation running in, in double digits at sort of, you know, 40 year highs. So after the massive crash in the value of the pound, Kwasi Kwarteng did promise that he'd be giving more details about how he planned to balance the books to pay for those tax cuts. But he said he wouldn't be giving those details until November the 23rd. And crucially, there was no hint that he was having second thoughts. How did the markets react well, not well, to be honest. Bond, bond yields continued to rise through Tuesday and, and the pound was still having a very, very rocky time. And then on Tuesday evening, you had this extraordinary intervention from the International Monetary Fund. The IMF, they're a sort of lender of last resort, as it were, to the international economy. So they help economies that are really struggling. They they put this um, very unusual statement out, really questioning the necessity for these tax cuts and suggesting that the 23rd of November, which in Kwarteng's mind is just where he shows how the sums add up, you know, they, was, they were suggesting that might be a moment for sort of re-evaluating his package of tax cuts. And they also warned about inequality, that he was going to exacerbate inequality. Okay, well, yes, the government's economic woes deepened last night with this extraordinary statement from the International Monetary Fund, uh, basically saying that they were closely monitoring the situation in the UK and urging the government to U-turn on some of its tax cuts. Now, it's pretty rare to see the IMF intervening, you know, to talk about the policies of a country that isn't an emerging market, you know, isn't in the grip of a sort of full-blown crisis. So that really underlined the kind of gravity of the situation, really. And then on Wednesday, as if it wasn't clear enough that the scale of the crisis, the Bank of England made this extraordinary move and, and announced a £65 billion rescue package for the bond markets. Well, let's turn to another very big story because an emergency move uh, from the Bank of England has made, uh, well, they did a dramatic intervention today to try to calm the markets following the turmoil after last week's mini-budget by the new government. It's launching a temporary UK government bond-buying programme to try to get long 
long-term borrowing costs down. Well, (laughs) the Bank of England having to bail out a part of the economy because of something that the government has chosen to do sounds absurd. How unusual is that? It's really unusual. So, So you do see the bank stepping into bits of the market that aren't working very well in emergency situations. So you saw it early on in the COVID crisis, for example, when financial markets are kind of glitching almost, as it were, when, and, and, and you know there's a risk of something spreading out to different markets and starting to have an effect in the real world. Um, you know They can step in. That's part of their job to sort of maintain financial stability. I, I can't think of another occasion when they've had to do so as a result of a deliberate decisions taken by the government. Heather, when we try to think about this as a huge scale economic problem, it's just so hard to comprehend. We've got to think about it, you know, personally, what it means for our own finances. Has this announcement already started to impact people's finances? Yeah, so I think the main way it's done that is through mortgages. Yeah, I just want to know what the plan is for mortgages because I was actually in the process of getting a mortgage as a young person and I was told my initial interest rate would be 4.5%. And I was told today that the lender has pulled that offer and now the best offer that I can get is about 10.5%. Which, yeah, and they're saying that, you know, you need to immediately look at sort of putting your application through because if you don't, uh, the lenders may even pull these offers. And for me now, as someone... So interest rates had already been going up, the bank had already been raising rates. So we were already sort of heading for a world in which, you know, we've had a good 10 years of rates being barely above zero, which is, you know, historically really, really unusual. That was in the wake of the financial crisis and it's gone on and on. Rates were already rising, but this package and the alarm that it's caused has really sent the expectations of future rates absolutely rocketing. And that's meant that mortgage lenders have looked at that and said, oh my goodness, you know, these deals that we're offering at the moment, I don't know whether that's going to work. You know, are we are we going to be able to fund those? I think at one point, 40% of mortgage deals had been taken off the market. And that includes people who had already, you know, got a mortgage offer, they were in the process of buying a house, and they've been told overnight, sorry, that mortgage that you'd done all the sums for and worked out that you could just about afford, you can't have that. And the one that you can have is, you know, two, three, five percentage points higher. Now that may settle down, but it's not going to settle down, you know, back at two or three percent. It's probably going to settle down, you know, quite a bit higher than that. Coming up, a U-turn, but the chaos continues. By the weekend just gone, things were looking slightly more positive, for the pound at least. The Bank of England's intervention seemed to be having its desired effect. Truss and Kwarteng were off to Birmingham for the Tory party conference. Was there any sense that they were considering giving up on this big unfunded tax giveaway? Not really. I mean, Liz Truss did some interviews on Sunday morning. Uh, she was made clear she was absolutely sticking with it. It was the right thing to do. Are you absolutely committed to abolishing the 45 pence tax rate for the wealthiest people in the country? Yes. 
And it is part, Laura, it is part of an overall package mm -hmm. of making our tax system simpler and lower. When she was asked about whether the growth plan was a mistake, she sort of talked about the fact that perhaps they should have prepared the ground better, you know, sort of suggesting it was a, a communication issue. I do stand by the package we announced and I stand by the, by the fact that we announced it quickly because we had to act. But I do accept we should have laid the ground better. But there are, I there, do there, accept that. You accept you and should I, have laid I, the ground better. And I have better. learnt from that. So, no, there wasn't really. Um, uh, and, in fact, you know, when journalists were sent briefing on Sunday evening about what Kwasi Kwarteng was going to say in his, in his speech at, at party conference, a big moment, speech from the Chancellor, you know, the suggestion was he was going to say, you know, we're, we're sticking with it. You know, this this is the plan. I mean, it, it, there were no signs from Truss or Quarting over the weekend that things might change, but it should be said it was becoming clearer and clearer that the political pressure on them from their own party was massive. So you had a growing number of, of very senior Conservative MPs, um, you know, including Michael Gove on Sunday, the former Leveling Up Secretary, Julian Smith, the former Northern Ireland Secretary, Grant Shapps. Um, it was the wrong move at the wrong time, um, quite clear. When I was knocking on doors this weekend in my well in Hatfield constituency, people were saying, look, I'm about to take on another shift because I'm so concerned about the rising mortgage costs. All sorts of senior figures uh, now on the back benches saying, in particular of the 45p top rate, no, this is, this is not fair, this is not right. And then the newspapers came out on Monday morning with these headlines that were based on the pre-briefed speech that journalists had been given the Kwasi Kwarteng speech in which he said the Conservative Party would stay the course with tax cuts. And then on Monday morning, he announces they won't be. <laughs> The government has today performed a huge U-turn and abandoned its plan to scrap the 45 pence top rate of income tax. The announcement from Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng came just a day after the Prime Minister Liz Truss backed the policy. What changed? So it, it did come as a bit of a surprise early on Monday morning when it emerged that actually they're pulling one of the most, probably the most contentious elements of the package, which is scrapping the 45p top rate of tax, which of course only applies to people earning over £150,000. Um, I think it was this sense that they were going to really struggle to pass the legislation, to pass the finance bill they needed to make this happen. You know, they've got a, they've got a very healthy majority, it's over 70. But, you know, that still means that, that you know, you get sort of 35 odd MPs rebelling and you can't get your legislation through. And, and you know, you had a growing number of MPs over the weekend saying, well, if, implying at least that they wouldn't be able to support this. And I think they had, it had just become clear that the numbers didn't add up for them in, in a sort of parliamentary sense. So even though they might have felt they'd weathered the worst of the storm in the financial markets, um, you know, there was a political storm coming. And Kwarteng gave an interview to BBC Radio 4's Today programme on Monday morning in which he said, we've listened and that's why we're not going ahead with this policy. How do we get a sense of, of his motivation here? Is it simply the fact that he couldn't get it past MPs or is it that the government is being responsive to what people want and what they feel is fair? So I thought it was quite noticeable that he didn't give any sense really that he'd changed his mind. That the phrase he kept using, and this has been used by, by others as well in the government, was that it'd become a distraction. And I've listened on the 45p rate. I think it was a huge distraction on uh, the growth plan. And that's why I've decided not to proceed with its abolition. 
I was very struck by the sort of language that Kwasi Kwarteng used. He, what he really didn't want to do is say sorry. So he, he used this phrase that I, I sort of loved. There is humility and contrition, he yeah. said. <laughs> Um, not, you know, I'm sorry, which would be a sort of obvious thing to say. Do you owe an apology? Actually having the humility to say, look, we got this wrong and we're not going to proceed with the abolition of the rate. Do you owe people an apology? We're not going to uh, proceed with the abolition of the rate. We've listened to people. And, yeah, there is humility and contrition in that. OK. And I'm, I'm happy to, to own it. But there is humility and, and contrition. I'm not sure where he thinks this humility and, and contrition is, but it didn't seem to be emanating <laughs> from him, I think it's fair to say. Those Conservative MPs who said, look, I just can't go to my constituents and justify why we're cutting tax for the wealthy right now will be pleased with this decision. What about for people working in the financial markets? Will they feel reassured by this decision? But It's quite a small part of the whole package. So that growth plan had £45 billion worth of sort of unfunded tax cuts in it. This 45p rate, that's £2 billion. So it was the most politically offensive bit of it and the bit that sort of would not stand as far as Tory MPs are concerned. But it's quite unclear whether the markets will be satisfied because what was worrying the bond markets seemed to be, hang on, how are these guys going to pay this back? Do the sums add up? And, and the £2 billion Quid. Well, it shows you that they're willing to, to change their minds. It shows you they might be able to, they might be willing to climb down. Maybe it gives a hint that other bits of the package might be jettisoned. But what it doesn't do, really, is help the sums add up. I think it'll be interesting to watch what happens in the markets. And I'm not sure how much it really helps with, with that issue. Oh, really? You don't think this will undo the damage that's been done to the economy? So the pound did bounce on Monday morning um, quite a bit in, in the wake of this U-turn that that Kwarteng made. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's well worth watching the financial markets in the weeks ahead to see whether this broader issue of credibility that that has been sort of kicked off by this this big package, whether that has really changed or whether whether the government is going to continue having to pay a bit more to borrow because the markets aren't really convinced. We talked earlier about the effect that this is having on people's mortgages especially. Has that recovered now? I mean, can people stop worrying about that now? I mean, I wish I could say that they could, but I don't think so because I think the reason that interest rates are now expected to be higher than we would have thought before 10 days ago is because of the amount of money the government is is chucking at the economy, the amount of money it's spending, the amount of borrowing it's doing. That's what's pushed up interest rates. And that hasn't changed. As I say, this this 45p rate is only a small part of the total spending package once you add together the energy price guarantee plus the tax cuts. You know, we're now looking at £43 billion worth of tax cuts instead of £45 billion. And so unfortunately, um, no, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference and people will still find themselves paying higher mortgage rates. And at the start of this episode, we laid out what else is included in this mini budget. There are a lot of giveaways to people and the Chancellor hasn't yet clarified how he'll be paying for them. One obvious way for him to make those savings would be to cut funding for public services and benefits as well. How worrying would that be for people? I think it would be incredibly worrying and incredibly hard to argue for, really. You know, we're not coming off the back of a period where public services have been well funded and, and, you know, benefits have been generous. We're coming off the back of a long period of, you know, successive spending cuts and, and 
Whitehall departments tightening their belts, tightening their belts again, and public servants seeing, you know, their their pay sort of flat or falling in real terms, um, you know, struggling badly. So I think it would be incredibly difficult to make that argument. And it'd be really, really hard for people. You know, benefit rates have fallen behind inflation, fallen behind the sort of broader standard of living in the in the economy. You know, we've had 10% inflation this year. If the government decides not to match that when it uprates benefits in April, you know, you would see people who are already struggling really hard, you know, resorting to food banks, uh, falling into debt. You know, you would see them falling further behind the rest of society. Kwarteng has said that he'll be clarifying in coming weeks how he's going to make those sums work. Why can't he do it now? Why can't he give people some reassurance? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, I think it's partly because the government wants more time to set out the other elements of its growth plan, which is, you know, the jargon is supply side reforms, but it's sort of economic reforms to things like the planning system, to things like childcare regulation. It's all these other bits that he hopes will help to convince public, convince the markets that the economy is going to be growing faster and that that will help us. But I mean, I think it's also because he's scrambling to find um, some cuts that he can sort of put into his his model that will make the sums add up, will make the sort of graphs, the lines on the graph meet. Heather, by the time Kwasi Kwarteng took to the stage yesterday afternoon to give that conference speech, his reputation was somewhat damaged. Do you get any sense that he's reconsidering whether he can do this job? Do you think it's likely he'd resign? I think it's very unlikely. I, I mean, anyone who knows him suggests that he's, putting it politely, not not a person who's burdened with massive self-doubt. Um, he didn't sound to me on those Monday interviews as if he was somebody who was you know, willing to leave. I suspect he would love to try and be given a bit more of a chance to show that these policies he's got in mind will work, that they will help to kickstart the economy, that they will boost growth. I would have thought the only reason he's likely to resign would be if it becomes clear that he has, you know, split from trust, as it were. If if there was some sort of land grab by trust and, you know, she was trying to blame Kwarteng or trying to take more control over policy, well, you know, that, that might be something he couldn't put up with. But Heather, what about the questions over this champagne reception? Yeah, that was a story that came out over the weekend. Pretty jaw-dropping, it seemed to me. Apparently on the day of the of the mini-budget, Kwarteng went off to some sort of do with Tory donors. I mean, the party were trying to suggest this was quite a normal thing to do. Um, but uh, evidently among those present were quite a few city types, you know, some of whom may or may not have been betting against the pound. Yeah, and the suggestion was there was a sort of celebratory atmosphere, champagne corks were popping, and that there were city investors there who sort of told Kwarteng, hold your nerve, keep going. You know, also incredibly damningly in that report in the Sunday Times, there was the suggestion that more than one of those present had had referred to Kwarteng sort of afterwards as a useful idiot. You know, the suggestion that being that he's sort of doing things that some in the city or some at the top end of the, the income scale rather like. This is so embarrassing for Liz Truss, isn't it? I mean, you've talked about how they are in lockstep. They've been trying to present this unified vision of a more liberal, lower tax society. She digs her heels in on Sunday morning and says, we're absolutely going ahead with this. Monday morning, he comes out and says the opposite. During the Tory party conference, it just looks so bad for her. Yeah, it's utterly, utterly humiliating. And, you know, we should mention that another thing that sort of fed into this mix over the over the weekend, this sort of heady mix was some 
absolutely horrific opinion polls that came out for the Conservatives. You know, so so the most extreme, as it were, a, a YouGov poll gave Labour a 33 percentage point lead, which is just extraordinary and a, a massive turnaround um, from where things were, you know, a, a month or so ago. And there were a whole set of others that put Labour's lead at sort of about 20 percentage points. So you're talking about landslide territory there. And Labour have been consistently leading, but, you know, only just or, or you know, by sort of 10 odd percent. So it really suggested that it was Truss's policies and the, what the public made of them that had really changed the public mood and possibly some Conservatives certainly fear absolutely destroyed their party's reputation for safely managing the economy. And, you know, I think a lot of voters didn't really know who Liz Truss was um, until she took power. That's certainly what some of the sort of pollsters tell you, that they, you know, people were taking a fresh look at this person. Well, you know, they seem to have formed a perception uh, quite rapidly, quite early on in her premiership. And what have they seen? She she seems to have crashed the pound, trashed the mortgage markets. And, oh, and by the way, you know, d- doesn't sort of stick to her guns and now looks weak on top of all that. So, yeah, I think she's had a, a pretty horrendous start. She, she has to give her own speech to Conservative Party conference on Wednesday and well, I mean, I'm very glad I'm not working on it because <laughs> thinking of previous disasters that, you know, others, Theresa May and others have had, it's, it's, it's hard to see how that speech can possibly go well. Heather, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Heather Stewart. You can read her analysis of all of this at theguardian.com. And while you're there, keep up with the reporting from our Westminster team too on the most interesting elements of the Conservative Conference. This episode was produced by Natalie Katena and sound designed by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.